WWE podcast on this Saturday, February 12th, as I truly do apologize that uh, I was day late today. I have no excuse, and uh, maybe I may get a 30-day suspension from WWE, uh, from you guys at least, and I'm just kidding. But uh, for any of you people out there who have gone through the process of buying and or selling a property it is a living nightmare. Obviously, it's a means to an end, and you do it for the thing that's at the end of the tunnel. But I have to tell you, I cannot stand this. Like, oh my god, going to see houses, making offers, rejected offers, counter offers. Okay, no, it's good. No, it's not. Now, then you have to go to the bank. Yeah, it is just an absolute disaster. And I would not wish on my worst enemy. But Unfortunately, you have to go through it, <laughs> but that's not why you guys are here to listen about my sad sack of a story. You are here to listen to rivalries, and today we are going to cover a rivalry that is fairly relevant as to what is going on in the WWE product as of right now, heading towards the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, and that is why we are going to cover Lita versus Trish Stratus today, and this is a rivalry that I've never spoken about, obviously, and Lita is a competitor that I've never really touched on, to be quite honest with you, and I think it's because Lita's run at the top of the women's division in WWE, not that it was short, but I don't think we knew what we had when it was going on, and then before we knew what we have, all of a sudden... She peaked up, and then she retired. You know, Trish Stratus, it was like she consistently was placed at the top of the card of the women's division. You know, almost instantaneously, she was involved in the McMahon storyline, where she was Vince McMahon's closet girlfriend. And then that kind of really put her up on a pedestal above all the other women almost right off the bat. But going back to the beginning here... You had Lita debut in ECW, eventually makes her way over to WWF at the time, and she debuts with a guy, and I forget his name, it's escaping me, maybe I'll find it later on in the show. Uh, I, I just had it right before, man, my memory's going these days, I think I'm just too swamped with this mortgage stuff, but, uh, but no, Lita, of course. Lita, it was kind of like a valet, but at the same time, she caught the attention of a lot of the fans because of her high-flying maneuvers. Like, the finishing move of the guy that she was accompanying was a moonsault. And then when he would get the victory, she would go on the top rope and hit a moonsault of her own. Eventually, this got fast-tracked into her being with Team Extreme. Obviously, she started dating Matt Hardy. 
And just while this was going on, you had Trish Stratus as the valet to TNA, Test and Albert. Kind of play on words there if you catch my drift. <laughs> uh, but as we keep this show PG, you had them first start encountering with one another during the 2000, during the year 2000 and 2001. And then in the invasion angle, by the time the invasion angle came around, these two were almost uncontested as the two top dogs in the women's division, mainly as competitors against one another. And Trish's first match in WWE was against Alita. But by the time you came down to the invasion angle, you had Stacy Keebler and Tori Wilson come in from WCW. And this resulted in a tag team bra and panties match between Trish and Lita of WWF tagging against Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson of WCW. And, uh, yeah, I forgot Mick Foley was the special guest referee at this time uh, for this match. But uh, them winning this match and representing the WWF was kind of like an unofficial crowning of Lita and Trish as the top two dogs in the women's division in WWF. Now, to be fair, I don't think that was saying a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, because at this time, the women's division was not all that impressive. And, and it really is a shame to say, but, you know, China, I believe, had just exited WWF by this point. You had Ivory, who was with the right to censor. Stephanie McMahon was kind of in and out, but at this point, she had transitioned to the on-screen owner of ECW. The women's division was scarce, for lack of better terms. And these were kind of like the unofficial, well, this rather was the unofficial crowning of these two atop that division. And I got it here. It was Essa Rios. That's it. That's who Lita debuted with in the WWF. By the time you got into 2002, these two kind of went in two separate directions. You kind of had Trish continue on a linear trajectory towards the top of the women's division and you had Lita kind of not get dragged down but she almost went like laterally she stayed with the Hardy boys which eventually led to, led to that whole breakup and all that but but when you get into 2002 here it was kind of like no man's land for a bit for these two women and Eventually, they both end up on Monday Night Raw uh, during the draft. 
But you just look at what happened at, let's say, WrestleMania 18 that was in Toronto. And both of those women are involved in the women's championship match. Lita and Trish versus Jazz. And Jazz being the champion goes in and retains the title. And in a vacuum, you may say, oh, well, you know, they're both in the main event. Uh, as far as women go at WrestleMania, they both lose. Where is the different tra trajectory here? Well, the difference is, is that Trish won the championship back at Survivor Series in 2001 after it had been vacated following China's victory at WrestleMania 17. And then I believe she departed and they had to vacate it to make sense of it. Uh, don't quote me on that. I believe that's if my memory serves me correctly. Then you have Jazz win the championship in February and carry it till May uh, 13th on a Monday Night Raw and Trish regains the title. After that, Molly Holly get, wins it and Trish gets it back. And then Victoria wins it and Trish gets it back. Do you see a bit of a trend here? From, you know, from late 2001 to early 2003, Trish was consistently in the picture for the women's championship. And Lita, while she was around, she wasn't really involved in this. And this is kind of where Trish kind of pulled away in terms of who was the best women of that generation, or if we look back on it now, of all time. Because as much as we look back on Lita and Trish almost as equals of The Rock and Austin of that generation, and of course that is true, I don't think anyone would be, uh, dispute that, but there was a time for nearly two years, well, more so a year and a half, to make it fair, that Lita couldn't really hold the candle to Trish. And specifically in 2004 is when Lita kind of started to make a comeback here for the better in relevance. And Lita also had to deal with injuries too that Trish didn't really have to deal with. But 2004 was the year where Lita really got back on the horse because even by early 2003, you had Trish kind of go away. And the thing was, is that in late 2002, early 2003, Trish and Victoria really started to have a really quality rivalry. And that's one I could cover as well sometime soon because Trish and Victoria and Victoria probably one of the more underrated women's competitors of all time, definitely of the, this generation. She was a fantastic heel. And she was kind of like the yin to Trish's yang. Because the difference was is that with Alita, people liked Alita just as much as Trish. That was the difference there. You know, my best friend was a super big Lita fan and I was a super big Trish fan. It was, again, like Rock and Austin. And the best analogy I could make is that Victoria was like Victor, uh, was like Triple H. She was just that main event level heel that really played the part well. You know, I remember her walking into WrestleMania 19 as the women's champion. A uh, match that Trish ultimately walked out of as the champion once again in the triple threat match with Victoria and Jazz. And then Jazz stayed in that mix as well. Molly Holly stayed in that mix as well. 
Gail Kim had a brief run as champion in the summer of 2003, but there was a, sp- a spurt there for about a, six to eight months where it was Trish, Jazz, Molly Holly, and Victoria, and Lita was nowhere to be found. Now, obviously, that was because she had a brief stint in television. I believe she played in the star in the movie uh, Dark Angel, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And she broke her neck actually filming that. And that kept her out of action for almost a year. And then, obviously, when she came back, she had to do a lot of recuperating. So that, of course, played a large factor in Lita not being in the main event scene in 2002, 2003, and even for large stretches in 2004. But it didn't change the fact that Lita had a lot of making up to do, um, a lot of ground to make up, rather, when she did return. Then, obviously, in 2004, she gets involved in the love triangle angle with Kane and Matt Hardy. The on-screen one, and don't worry, we're getting to the, the the real life one. And obviously there's the Black Wedding on Monday Night Raw, and then Kane fights Matt Hardy at SummerSlam for rights to Lita. Lita gets pregnant, all that, and it ultimately leads to Matt Hardy being injured and subsequently released. And on-screen, Lita stayed married to Kane, and then Kane turned babyface with the whole Gene Snitsky, it wasn't my fault... So this got Lita back on relevant television, at the very least. It was kind of a forgettable story, obviously, with Gene Sinsky pound-kicking the baby into the crowd. One of the most infamous clips that I could ever remember in my head. But it really got Lita back on relevant television. And that's what, what was important, is that they had to get Lita back on a relevant trajectory to get her back to the top of the card. And while they were in the process of doing so, and as a babyface, I may add, because obviously the entire angle with Kane, kind of she was like being forced with him against her will, and then obviously she has the miscarriage. She really had a lot of sympathy going her way um, because of the story. But on the other side, you had a full-blown heel Trish Stratus firing up the ranks and Trish Stratus had turned heel at Wrestlemania 20 when she turned on Chris Jericho
me with this one. I don't understand what we have just seen transpire. Look! I don't know what Chris is saying. I wish I could hear him. Oh! talk about nuclear heat i remember when this happened and you turned trish stratus who had been a top flight baby face for about three th about three years i believe she had been a solid baby face since wrestlemania 17 so yeah just about three full years into a mega heel that's the way to do it and you know trish stratus obviously getting a bit stale as a baby face she hadn't been the champion, uh, the women's champion, that is, for just about a year at this point. She had dropped the belt back in the spring of 2003, and she needed a change to her character. And at this time, Victoria was actually doing a very admirable job as a babyface. The, scr the script had kind of uh, flipped for her. Um, fun fact, at this very WrestleMania, this is when Victoria shaved Molly he Holly's head bald. Uh, and I know I say this all the time, but this was just a fantastic WrestleMania. WrestleMania 20 is easily top three, in my opinion. But they have Trish win, and then she gets fast-tracked into the Women's Championship picture yet again. And in this women's match, she defeats Alita, Gail Kim, and Victoria for the Women's Championship. And... Lo and behold, she pins Lita to win the title. So right when they're pushing Trish as now this top level heel, they're in the process of getting Lita back on track as a legitimate contender for the women's championship as a babyface. But you have to realize that it had been now about three years or no, sorry, four years since Alita had been the women's champion. The last time she had won it was back on Monday Night Raw in August of 2000. And she had only been a one-time women's champion at this point. So they had a lot of... Even though she was a fan favorite, and she always was, they had a lot of work to do to build up Alita to on the same level as Trish Stratus. Because at this point, Trish was what? A five, six-time women's champion already? Like... She was built so dominantly, Trish that is, by the time in 2004 that the only one who really kind of held the candle to her was Victoria. 
Victoria was the ying to Trisha's yang for much of 2003 and parts of 2002. So they recognized, WWE creative that is, that they had someone in Lita who was super over. And there was so much history between Lita and Trish because their careers ran parallels with one another that they knew they eventually had to get to a match. And this ultimately led to a one-on-one -on -one match on Monday Night Raw for the Women's Championship that main evented the show between Lita and Trish. So after four long years, we have Lita finally regain the Women's Championship. One that was so long overdue. And a lot of it, nobody's fault. Like when you get hurt and you're out for close to a year, it is what it is. And while you're gone, the show must go on, right? And I think in her absence, you had the likes of Molly Holly and Victoria really step up to the plate and run with it. I like... I can't sing the praises of a girl, a woman rather, like Victoria Knopf for just how incredible she was and underrated and not talked about, just a brilliant heel during the Ruthless Aggression era. But by the end of 2004, they build Lita back up and she rightfully regains the Women's Championship. Only problem is, is that her and Trish meet for a rematch the very next month at New Year's Resolution, or Revolution rather, I always mix, I always mistake when... Um, or misstep, rather, when I talk about that pay-per-view. Uh, Lita tours her, tears her knee. Everything in her knee. I think her meniscus and her ACL, her MCL, everything. And during the match, they have to call an audible and Trish regains the Women's Championship. One that was not supposed to happen like that. I thoroughly believe that they were trying to build towards a Lita versus Trish match at WrestleMania, one that never happened. And to be honest, Lita never really had, I think, a one-on-one -on -one match at a WrestleMania, which is a damn shame. But uh, Trish takes the ball again, runs with it, has the one-on-one -on -one match with Christy Hemi for the Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Lita, still injured, wearing a knee brace, actually is 
accompanying Christy Hemi to the ring in this match. She comes back, I believe, three weeks before the pay-per-view saying that she's training Christy Hemi. And for those of you who don't remember, Christy Hemi was the first ever Raw Diva Search winner. Uh, did not amount to much, as I'm sure you guys know. <laughs> and Or don't know, but the point still remains. And... They tried, I guess, the best to get Lita involved with Trish at WrestleMania 21, but with her being injured, the best she could do was in a manager-type role. So Lita eventually returns in the late spring of 2005, and she returns uh, with her on-screen husband, Kane. But now they have a very lovey-dovey marriage because, I guess, all was forgotten after the fake miscarriage and the Gene Siski thing, but I digress. But when she returns, some real-life issues were coming to light on the internet, and the crowds in WWE arenas were letting her know that they knew what was going on with Matt Hardy and Edge. The whole real-life love triangle of her leaving Matt Hardy for Edge while he was at home released or injured and subsequently released from his WWE contract. A rivalry that I have covered here on the WWE podcast. So the whole Lita as a babyface approach was dying a very cruel death because the fans knew what was going on behind the scenes. So instead of trying to push Lita as a babyface, to a crowd that absolutely despised her and loved to call her um, a four-letter word that starts with S or a five-letter word that starts with W. I'm sure you guys could connect some dots there. WWE made the conscious decision to give the fans what they want. Come on! 
Well, he did destroy a relationship in real life, and that was between Matt Hardy and Lita. But um, yeah, Lita turns heel, and I believe this was her first heel run at any point in WWF uh, or WWE. And my God, you gave the fans what they wanted, right? And this was kind of like a figurative representation of what happened in real life with Matt Hardy. Obviously not so dramatic, but you get my point. And for the rest of 2005, early 2006, you have Lita really side-by-side with Edge. She's side-by-side with him right through the entire angle with Matt Hardy. She's right beside him during his initial rivalry or almost his entire rivalry with John Cena. Right there with the McFoley rivalry. They all tag with each other in the six-man mixed tag team match at ECW One Night Stand against Beulah McGillicuddy, Tommy Dreamer, and Terry Funk. Lita went on about a 12 to 14 month run here as a top level heel and arguably the most popular or infamous um, women's competitor in WWE. And to be honest, this final heel run for Lita may have been the most significant one of her entire career. It's unfortunate that it was sparked by real life incidents that was very similar to what they wrote into the television program. But I mean, you got to work with what you're given and they struck gold with this Lita character. But right around the same time, you have Trish rebuilding herself as a babyface. And she consistently holds this championship all the way until WrestleMania 22 against Mickey James, another rivalry that I have already covered here on the WWE podcast. And that was a great catapult for Mickey James, who went on a brilliant run in her single white female as Keel gimmick. But Mickey James eventually drops the title to Lita in the summer of 2006. And right around this time is where you start hearing rumblings that Trish Stratus's career may be coming to a close. And lo and behold, the following pay-per-view, Unforgiven, in 2006, is in her hometown of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And would it not be fitting for Trish to go out against the woman who she had came in to the WWF slash WWE with? And with Lita as the women's champion, it was for the women's title in Trish's last ever match in WWE in her initial run with the company. Canadian! That's 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 Can
And just like that, Trish Stratus wins the Women's Championship on her final match and appearance in WWE, at least for, or this wasn't her final appearance. She vacated the, the title the next night on Monday Night Raw, but this was her final match in WWE until, what was it, 2018, where she came back to wrestle Charlotte Flair. But she goes out on a high, which is weird, right? Typically, you go out in a losing fashion, but in this particular instance, Trish wins it with a sharpshooter, which is very apropos in Canada, and vacates the title the next night on Monday Night Raw in Montreal, actually, in my hometown. And she walks away and would eventually come back about 11, 12 years later. Uh, this title is vacated until Cyber Sunday when Lita regains the championship. And Lita would hold that title just for a few weeks until Survivor Series 2006 when Mickey James would regain the championship for the first time uh, since the summer and get her revenge on Lita. And following which, Lita would walk away from the company as well before the calendar flipped to 2007. And now we have Lita on kind of a comeback tour to go up against Becky Lynch now. And I know some people may be a bit frustrated with this, and I get that. I have the frustration as well when legends come back. But we have to remember here, and I don't think people quite do, that Lita was a pioneer in the women's division, and she was ahead of her time. Lita is a competitor that, in my opinion, could have been just as big as she was then as she is now. Trish Stratus? Yeah, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I think Trish was kind of a beneficiary of the time she was in because her wrestling skills weren't great. She was mainly popular because of her um, accessories and her blonde hair and all that. But Lita, it was obviously she was not an ugly woman by any stretch. She was a very beautiful woman in her own right. But she was mostly popular because of how athletic she was, how good of a competitor she was in the ring, how different she was. She had a different kind of vibe to her. And she brought like that bad girl punk rock type of attitude to the ring. And I think that if you had a prime Lita nowadays, she would have reached just as big as heights as she did now uh, back then. So that is why I'm okay to let Lita have her little bit of time in the sun here because she was someone who was ahead of her time. And as for Trish, yeah, maybe she wouldn't have been as big nowadays because the women have such a much bigger platform and there's better and more competitors to, to deal with, but you still can't take away what she did in her time. And all in all, these two were the rock and Austin of that generation for the women. But anyway, guys, that's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed Lita versus Trish. As always, you can get me on Twitter at Adamarco25. You can get Matt on Twitter at wrestling underscore audio, or you can email him at realwwepodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, guys, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.